the word spiritual disciplines, people say things like, you got the spiritual disciplines. And I used to go, I don't know what they're talking about. And then I was like, uh, you know, went a little further. I realized they're talking about praying, Bible study, sharing our faith. Those are things that as believers we should do. We should do that. We should be praying. We should be studying the Bible. We should be sharing our faith. And so a question could be to ask, we know where to pray. Do we do it? We know where to study the Bible. Do we do it? We know where to share our faith. Do we do it? And when you really think about it, that that's what we, we should be doing. We must live out what we've been training to do. And think about it. If you go to a 412 or a 22 or a small group, what we're doing Sunday morning even, even though it's a bigger group, uh, this is an opportunity to be trained. That's what we're training you to know the Bible, to be able to apply the Scripture to the, the, the whole thing. And so we're supposed to ultimately live out what we've been trained to do. The whole thing, if you think about our church, it says to make disciples, which is evangelism and training. So our goal is to train everybody to be able to do this. And so the spiritual disciplines are just saying, I'm going to study the Bible, I'm going to pray, I'm going to share my faith, I'm going to do all those things because that's going to help me grow and that's what I'm supposed to do. There comes a time when we basically live out what we're supposed to do. Well, we're going to see that it's time for Elijah to stand. It's time for how God is, we've been saying that God has been training him, that he took him and he went by this brook and he was there by himself for a long time, maybe over a year. We don't even know how long. He'd been by this brook and fed by the ravens and, and, and then the water ran out. And he moved him to Zarephath, to this widow who had nothing. And they both basically had to trust God. And there's no telling how long this has been. It's getting, oh, maybe more than a year. year. Anyway, it's time has gone by. And he's had to trust God through all of this. And we said that when you look at this, this is the training. This is, this is, this is private. You know, nobody really knows what he does with the widow. And nobody knew what happened at the brook and those kind of things. Now, God's been training him. And for us, he does the same thing. Sometimes we think, well, God's not really using me. No, he is. He's just training you. He's getting you ready. He's got other things for you to do. You think about Jesus, even before Jesus started his ministry, several things happened. First of all, he, it took him 30 years to get to the point to get ready to start the ministry, and then he went out in the wilderness for a while. When Paul got ready to start his ministry, God took him to Arabia for three years, then he met with Jesus, and then, and then left. When, when you look at uh, all these people's lives, God has times that he trains them. And he's training Elijah, and he's training us. And sometimes we think, God's never using me. He is. He's getting you ready. There are times that he uses you, you don't even know it. You don't even know it. Well, this morning, it's time for Elijah to stand. And we're going to see the famine has been going for three and a half years. And let me remind you uh, of what's happened. Elijah stood before Ahab and gave him the message to be no rain. Then there was training by the brook, fed by the ravens, and then Zarephath, fed by the widow. And now he's got to go again to Ahab, and he's going to give a message to him and a message to the nation. Here's sort of the outline, and we'll just look at it this way. We're not going to get all of the verses today. We'll actually stop at verse 20. So we'll kind of get right to that little section. And one through 19, Elijah appears. There's a famine. The famine, of course, is going, and there's a faithful man named Obadiah. And Elijah meets Obadiah and then stands before Ahab. And then we see the contest. And we won't see that till next week, but that's the meeting on Mount Carmel. I'll show you where Mount Carmel is and all those kind of things. It says can't be two. You know, you can't have two gods. You can't have Baal as God. You can't have Yahweh as God. And we'll talk about that as we go through it. Well, let's look at it. Uh, look at chapter 18. Look at verse 1. Now, it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. So it's been 
uh, it's into the third year of this famine. Remember, we said the whole thing ended up being three and a half years, and so now it's into the third year. And here's what God tells him to do: Go show yourself to Ahab, and then He gives a little promise: I will send rain on the face of the earth. Now, I want you to think about there's two things there. Number one, to go show himself to Ahab is going to take his life into his hand because Ahab has been looking for him to kill him. In fact, they looked all over, and they can't find him. And, and it's kind of funny that Zarephath is basically very near the hometown of Jezebel, and they never found him there, and they didn't find him by the brook. And now about th- over three years have passed, and they still hadn't found him, and now God says, go show yourself to Ahab. That'd be like saying, go show yourself to the guy that's trying to kill you. And he's going to do it. And then here's what he says. I will send rain on the face of the earth. This is God's promise. Now, God already said, I would not send rain. And I don't think Elijah knew how long it was going to be. Remember, all Elijah said, it will not rain according to my word. We know from the book of James it was three and a half years and some other places. But I don't think that, that uh, Elijah knew how long it would be. And he said, go show yourself to Ahab, I will send rain. By the way, when we get to the passage where he sends the rain, you're going to love it. It has, it has some things in there. There's one event in that whole thing which you won't be able to believe. I mean, you can't believe it. It's not possible. It's not humanly possible, okay? If you want to read ahead, you can. Just read ahead right about before the storm. But anyway, uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing things. And so look what happened. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. Now I want you to understand that he was obedient. He did exactly what God told him to do. Every time we look at Elijah, he does exactly what God tells him to do. We're supposed to be obedient to the word. We're supposed to do what God tells us to do. That's the plan. And then he says, it is the famine was severe in Samaria. You remember... We told you this is Judah, and this is Samaria, and that's the northern part, and that's where he is. He's at Zarephath, which is Sidonians, you know, or Phoenicians. Some people call them Phoenicians. They call them the sea people. And anyway, way up here is where he's been. The famine is all in here. The king is there. If you remember, he was from Tishbe. He was a Tishbe, and then he went to the brook, stayed there for a while. Then he went to Zarephath for a while, and now God says, I want you to go and go back and find him. Go back to the king. Now, once again, you got, just don't, don't miss the point that going back could mean your life. I mean, he didn't say, go back to your friend. He says, go back to the guy that's trying to kill you, and I will be ranked. So Elijah did, he, he went to show himself, and the famine was great. Now, we're going to meet somebody. Ahab called Obadiah, who was over his household. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Now, Ahab, we, we don't get much information, but Ahab calls this guy by the name of Obadiah. Obadiah was over Ahab's household. And you think, okay, if Ahab is a bad king, then one of his servants must be bad too. But he's not. In fact, look what it says about this man. It says, Obadiah, who was over the household. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. His name means the servant of Jehovah. And and so we're going to see who this guy is. And uh, uh, here's the thing. In the midst of a fallen world, do we stand out? Because I guarantee Obadiah stood out. He He feared the Lord. Now, let me tell you, Ahab doesn't fear the Lord. Jezebel doesn't fear the Lord. Most of the people probably in his household don't fear the Lord. 
But Obadiah did. It actually says, Obadiah feared the Lord. And fearing the Lord doesn't mean like he was afraid of God. It meant this. I mean, when you say fear, it means you understand who God is, the Almighty God, that God is perfect and holy and just and works all things according to the counsel of his will. When we, we used to, people used to say he's a God-fearing man, and that didn't mean they were afraid of God. It meant that they believed who God was and that he is the sovereign ruler of the world and that he's the one that we're accountable to and our lives belong to him. And, and that's, so when we say Obadiah feared the Lord, it meant he he knew exactly who God was. And, and let me tell you about this man, which is pretty amazing. He lived according to what he believed. He believed there was a true God and that he was supposed to do the right things. Because notice, notice verse 4. It said, for when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord. See, I want you to understand when Jezebel was there. She killed everyone who served the true God. She had 450 prophets of Baal. She had her own prophets and servants who worshipped her God, which was Baal, not the true God. And when she was with, in power with Ahab, she killed a whole bunch of the, of the servants of God. And notice what it says. For when Jezebel destroyed the prophets of the Lord, Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water. Now, I guarantee the king didn't know this. Nobody knew this. He took 50 prophets and put them in one part of a cave and 50 prophets and put them in another part of the cave, and he made sure they got food and water. He's saving their lives. That tells you what kind of guy he is. He lived out who, what he believed. And one of the things we have to do is live out what we believe. I mean, here's one of the kings, uh, here's one of the things, oh, but I hid those hundred people. The key in the Christian life is faithfulness. That's what it really is. Faithfulness in the daily, ordinary experiences. Everybody says things like, we want to do something big. We want to do something big. God says, do something little first. Just do, be faithful to do something little, and I'll use it to do something big. And see, the key in the Christian life is just faithfulness in the daily, ordinary things. It's trusting and serving God day after day in the daily grind of life. That's what life is. People say, I wonder why big things don't happen all the time. Because the truth is, big things don't happen all the time. Big things happen occasionally. And the Christian life is just day after day, moment by moment. That's why the Christian life is called a walk. Walk worthy of the calling. Walk worthy of the calling. Step by step. That's the key. Okay, now, so we leave... We leave um, Elijah, and we see Ahab, and we see this man named Obadiah, but now we see the plan. Now watch the plan. Look at verse 5. Ahab said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the valleys. Perhaps we'll find some grass and keep the horses and mules alive and not have to kill some of the cattle. They said, listen, we got to go find some water. There's no water anywhere. It hadn't rained in over three years. We don't know what to do. And so the king himself, Ahab, and Obadiah, his servant, he, they said, let's go look and see if we can find water anywhere. And, uh, you know, it seems kind of funny that uh, Gene Getz writes and says that Ahab's more concerned with his animals than the prophets because he just said they all die. And so what happened? So they divided the land between them to survey it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another by himself. Now, you can picture that. Ahab's gone one way. Obadiah's gone another way. Look at verse 7. Now, as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him. And he recognized him, and he fell on his face and says, Is that you, Elijah, my master? Well, what happened is Elijah meets Obadiah. So Obadiah's out. Nobody has seen Elijah in years. They haven't been able to find him. It's been over three years. Nobody's seen him. And they've been hunting for him to kill him. And here they are looking for water, and Obadiah looks up, and he sees Elijah, and he goes, Is that you? That, that's you. You're here. 
He probably wanted to say, where have you been all this time? We can't find you. We've looked all over for you. And so uh, Obadiah was on his way. Elijah met him, and he recognized him. He fell on his face and said, is that you, Elijah, my master? And he said, it is I. And here's what he tells him to do. Go say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. He said, go tell him I'm here. I mean, they've been searching for me for three years. So go tell him I'm here. Now, think about Obadiah. He, he's thinking out loud, and he's thinking, now, what if I go tell him that he's here, and then we can't find him? Then he's going to kill me. So here's what he says. Look, what, look at verse 9. He said, he said, what sin have I committed that you are giving your servant into the hand of Ahab to put me to death? He said, look, what have I done wrong? You're sending me back to the guy that's been trying to kill you, and you want me to go tell the guy that I found you, and then as soon as we start trying to find you, we can't find you, and he'll kill me. He'll say, you just gave us on a wild goose chase, and you'll kill me. So what did I do wrong that you've put me in this situation? And then he goes on to say, as the Lord your God lives, there's no nation or kingdom where my master's not sent to search for you. We've looked all over for you. And when they said he's not here, he made that kingdom swear that they couldn't find you. And now you're saying, go say to your master, behold, Elijah is here. You're wanting me to go tell him that he's here, right where I am. He's here. And so look what he says. It'll come about that when I leave, that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you where I don't know, we'd say, no telling where. And so when I come and tell Ahab and he can't find you, he'll kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord for my youth. Now, you know, he wants to make sure, and let me put this up, Ahab can't find you. When he can't find you, he'll kill me. Uh, he's like all of us. Obadiah is like all of us. He wants to know. He wants Elijah to know what good things he's done. I mean, he, you know, he, he said, you've asked me to go find Ahab and tell him you're here, and sure as the world, you'll go somewhere else so we don't know where you are, and then he'll kill me. And by the way, I just want you to know what I've been doing while you've been gone. And look what he says. Has it not been told to my master what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, and I hid a hundred prophets of the Lord by fifties in a cave and provided them with bread and water. He says, don't you know I've been doing real good while you've been gone? <laughs> you know, and it's, the truth is, we're supposed to serve God regardless of what? Regardless of who knows? Isn't it funny how we do something for God and we want everybody to know? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I had to give some, I had to give that to them. Yeah, yeah. You know, why? Why did you tell people? Why did, why did, you know, what did Jesus say? Don't let your right hand, left hand know what your right hand is doing. I mean, he said, when you fast, don't, don't go around like, oh, I'm really fasting. Just don't, they don't even need to know. And, and when you give, don't blow a trumpet like some of the rich people did at the time of Jesus. And so Ahab, uh, he, he basically said, listen, if I go back, Ahab will kill me. And by the way, you know, I've been doing real good while you were gone. I killed, I, I've saved a hundred of the prophets. I put 50 in each cave. Have you not heard about that? <laughs> Has it not been told, my master, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord? I hit a hundred of them in fifty, you know, by fifties in the cave. And then he says, and now you're saying, go say to your master, behold, Elijah's here. He will kill me. Now, you, you know, if that had been us, you know, we'd do exactly the same thing. We'd say, what? Are you sure? Because, you know, if I go back and you're not here, he'll kill me. And, you know, I have been doing good while you've been gone. You know, I've done best I could. I hit all the prophets that I could. I saved a hundred of them, 50 in one cave and, you know, 50 over here and 50 over there, and I've been doing everything. So, you know, I don't really know 
I don't really know what to do because as, uh, if you say, go to your master, behold, Elijah's here, he'll then kill me. Watch Elijah. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. Elijah makes an oath. Look what he says, as the Lord of hosts live. He's basically saying, this is, this is the truth. Before whom I stand, and I think we, 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 have, to, we have to realize what he's really saying. And, and look, look what he says, I will show myself today. He said, I stand for the true God, and I'm basically saying, before God, I will show myself today. Now, that's pretty amazing since nobody's seen him for three years. And Ahab has looked all over for him. And Ahab has gone to all these little nations and these, uh, these little areas around and all these villages. And, and they said, is he here? Swear to me that, that you, you, know, you can't find him. And they haven't. So Elijah says, the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand. I will surely show myself to him today. He didn't say, I'll just show up. He said, I will show myself to who? To Ahab. To Ahab. You know, we have to. We have to not be afraid. It's so easy to be afraid, especially when we start thinking about living for God and serving Him. And you know that hard thing about saying, I just want my life to count for Christ? We all know that there comes a time as a believer that, cost, that being a believer costs you absolutely nothing, but being a disciple costs you your life. And it's scary to say to God, take, take my life and just use it for your glory and I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything, whatever you want me to do, i just do it. And, and it's a scary thing. And, and you know, we do that it's supposed to be sort of a one-time deal. You offer your life as a living sacrifice and not being conformed but being transformed and all those kind of things. It's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to stand for God in a fallen world. I mean, you look at our culture right now. It's getting worse and worse by the day. And to stand for God, to stand for Christ, to say, I believe the Bible and I believe the truths of the Bible, there are people who will tear stuff up around you. They'll tear things up of yours. And uh, so we kind of not be afraid. And sometimes we're afraid to stand for Christ in a fallen world. The old saying is, courage is not the absence of fear, but standing anyway. Obadiah is a faithful man, and he's going to go back. He's going to do exactly what Elijah told him. And so look what happens. At, at verse 15 again, as Elijah, and Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So you, you can just see this. He said to him, I found him. He's right, he's out over there. And he said, he will meet you today. You can almost see Ahab said, are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, we've looked for him for three years and you've seen him. He's, he's, I know where he is. And so what had happened? Obadiah went to meet Ahab and, and he told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So here we go. Watch what happens. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? Now, Ahab is a bad king. Ahab is an evil man. Now, let me just be honest with you. He's not near as evil as his wife. She's, the worst. She's one of the worst people in the Bible. That's why to call anybody a Jezebel, especially a woman, he's say, a woman, you're a Jezebel, you're not just saying, she, you're saying you are an evil woman. And Jezebel was an evil woman. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. Uh, I mean, she, she, we didn't see all the stuff, but 
you know the story about Naboth and he had a vineyard and the king wanted the vineyard and he said, sell me your vineyard. And Naboth said, I'm not going to sell it because it's my family and so I'm not going to sell it. So Jezebel got some people to have a banquet and called Naboth there and she got some wicked people at the banquet to stand up and say, Naboth cursed God and the king and they jumped on him and killed him right then. And then she went back to her husband and said, you can take the land now. We are going to take the time to see what happens to both Ahab and Jezebel when it's the end. And to be honest with you, it's not going to be pretty, and it's going to be gross, and it's going to be terrible on what happens to these two people. But they're both evil. She's more evil than he is. She influenced the kingdom far beyond him. She's the one that killed the prophets. She's the one that threatened Elijah. She is the one that... uh, brought in the false worship. She's evil. And he's evil for allowing her to do all this and to follow her as well. Look what he says. And Ahab saw Elijah. Ahab said to him, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? He calls, he calls Elijah. Ahab declares that Elijah is the one who brought the famine on Israel. No, no. Ahab, all, all Elijah said was, won't be any rain. Because that's what God said. But Elijah didn't cause it not to be rain. Is the wickedness. It was the wickedness. The truth is, it was not Elijah who caused the drought. It was Ahab's wickedness. He turned from God, and God's discipline was the drought for the nation of Israel. You know, I have a Bible reading thing, and I just read all the time. I'm reading, I'm going through Jeremiah. I mean, and it, you know, you can get bogged down because he says the same thing over and over again. And the same to the nation of Israel, because you turned away from me and worshiped false gods. I'm going to destroy you and take you and let the Babylonians come and take you out of the land. And you read that and you go, good night, how terrible. But it's going to be really bad. Why? Because they turned away from God and he brought, took them out of the land. If you go to, uh, to Deuteronomy, and there's a passage in Deuteronomy 20, which they call it the Deuteronomic Covenant, and all it is is this. God says... If you obey me, I will bless you and let you live in the land. If you disobey me, I will curse you and remove you from the land. And any time they disobeyed, this is what's happening. And there is a famine in the land. And, and sometimes we, it's, you, know, you can see uh, Ahab blaming Elijah. And it's so easy to blame everybody else, especially when we do wrong. We want to blame somebody else for that. Let's talk about the consequences of sin for just a second. And for believers, first of all, when we sin, it breaks fellowship with God. Not our relationship, but our fellowship. It breaks fellowship with other believers. And that's why sin breaks fellowship in the body. It destroys our testimony if we're not careful. It destroys our joy and peace, and it brings God's discipline. And that's what's happened to the nation. This is a, for a believer for us, but it can happen to us as well. When you stay in sin, listen, we sin, we confess it. Forsake it, go on. That's what we're supposed to do. But when we stay in sin, when we continue to do sin, whenever we disregard the Scripture, uh, we, we're, you know, we could be in trouble. So watch what happens. First Kings 18, 19. Now, this is what he tells him. Uh, let, me, let me go back to 18 again. He says, I have not troubled Israel, you and your father's house, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something in this verse carefully. You have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. What word is Lord there? What is it? It's all capitals, isn't it? It's Y-H-W-H. It's the personal name of God. He says, you have forsaken the commandments of the personal God, and you have followed the what? The Baals. That's the false gods. So he says, here is the charge. You've done this. And then he goes and says, now, 
Send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. You know what? She's feeding the false prophets and, and the, the false prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. Asherah is just another false god. And so there's, just think about it, there's 850 false prophets that Jezebel feeds at her table. She's got nothing but false prophets. And so Elijah challenges and says, and notice he doesn't say, go get the 450 prophets of Baal. He says, gather all Israel. It's going to be a big meeting. It's not going to just be a few people. He says, bring all of the people. And we're going to see the setting for the challenge. Whoops, let me go back. The setting for the challenge, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. And this is, this is going to be huge. And we see the setting for the challenge. Look at verse 20. I just want you to see that. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Now, there's going to be all kind of people there. And let me just, uh, we got just a minute or two. Let me just tell you what's going to happen. When they get there, there's going to be 450 prophets of Baal. Let me just be honest. I don't think the 400 prophets of Asherah show up. Because when it's all over with, they kill the 450 prophets of Baal, but it doesn't mention anything about Asherah. So the 450 prophets of Baal are there, and a whole bunch of people is there. And that's when Elijah stands out and says, how long are y'all going to keep being divided? If Baal is a god and the real god, then worship him. If Yahweh is a real God, worship him. You can't worship both. You can't have both. There's only one. And you're going to have to make a decision. And you're going to make a decision today. That's what he does. Now, God has been preparing him for this moment. He prepared him by the brook. He prepared him with the widow. He prepared him with the death of the little boy. And, and bringing him back, he is now ready to stand in front of a wicked king, wicked prophets, fallen people who don't know what to do, and they're falling both ways. They're saying, oh, Yahweh's God, Baal is God. We can worship them both. You have to be careful. Why, uh, we, we, uh, we have a ministry with some uh, people in India, and, and uh, uh, there's 26. You've, ta- well, you've heard me talk about them. They're the, the tribal pastors that go out. But a lot of times when they go out and they talk about Christ, some of the people they talk to have other gods, and they sometimes think, okay, we'll take this God, this Jesus God, and put him with our gods. And they say, no, 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 you've got to be careful. We're not saying Jesus is one of many gods. We're not saying you can add Jesus to your group of gods. There is but one God, is Jesus. These are not gods at all. There's one God. So on the, on the, with the 450 prophets of Baal, he's not saying, look, y'all, you, you, you got both. He's not saying you got both. He's saying there's only one. And you've got to make a decision today. And we're going to have a contest to see who the real God is. How would you like to have been there? Whoa. Okay, let me give you some applications. Realize it's time to do what we know. It is. It is. It's time to do. Let's live out the truth from the Bible. Let's be men and women of obedience. Let's share our faith. Let's study and teach. Let's use our gifts. It is time because we say things like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I think I need another class. Uh, You're ready. Stand strong. Let's do what we're supposed to do even now. Second, just realize that let's be faithful regardless of who knows. 
because poor Obadiah, he, he definitely wanted to, Elijah to know what he's been doing. It, it, let's be faithful in our Christian life with God, maintain our fellowship. Let's be faithful with other believers to help train and equip and teach. Let's be faithful with the unbelievers to take the message. And then let's realize the consequences of sin. It breaks fellowship. It brings discipline. We lose joy. It can destroy testimonies. All these things are true. And so we got to be careful when we sin. We got to deal with it because it breaks all that. We want to stand for Christ. When I see Elijah, I see a man who is just like us. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say Elijah's special. It says Elijah was a man just like us, and he prayed it didn't rain for three and a half years, and then he prayed and it rained. And we could say, could any of us, could God use any of us to do something like that? What's the answer? Yeah, he could if he wants to. Can he use you day in and day out to touch lives for Jesus Christ? Can he? Yes. Can he use you to disciple some young people? Can he use you to disciple some older people? Can he use you to touch lives? Can he use you to share your faith with your next door neighbor that you've not talked to yet? He can use you to do anything because he is our strength and our shield. We can do it.